Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, everybody. Uh, Good morning, good morning, and welcome. Uh, to Coastal Community Church. Uh, I am Pastor Chris. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for uh, joining us in person today. Uh, Great to see your smiling faces, and thank you so much uh, for tuning in and joining us online. Hey, uh, one other thing that I kind of want to let everybody know about uh, that's getting ready to happen in the life of our church, uh, and that is that next Sunday, uh, we kick off a new series here at Coastal. Actually, it's kind of an an old series. It's a series that we've been doing here at Coastal. It's probably our longest-running Uh, series that we've done every year. We've done this series, I think, for at least 12 years, 12 to 15 years. Uh, And it's called, anybody know? What's next week? At the Movies, At the Movies. We kick off next week uh, uh, one of our favorite series called At the Movies. Now, just to clarify, some of you might not know exactly what this is all about. I am not actually going to be preaching you know, from the movies themselves. We just use current or popular movies uh, as a hook, uh, a springboard, then just to dive into God's Word and to talk about spiritual truth. And, uh, so, and we have a lot of fun with it, kind of coastal style. And so we would encourage you uh, to invite and bring a friend uh, uh, next Sunday. In fact, uh, underneath the one sign in the back, uh, which is appropriate, that's underneath the one sign. Some of you are new to Coastal, wondering what that big one sign is. Hey, everybody has a one. Everybody has, you know, the Bible talks about how we, uh, Jesus says, hey, we're l- willing to leave the 99 to find the one. And, uh, you know, it's that friend, neighbor, coworker, family member that you've been reaching out to and inviting and praying for. So everybody has a one. So invite and bring your one uh, over this series. So every first time guest that comes over the length of this series at the movies uh, gets a free movie ticket. But not only the guest that you invite, but the person who invited them, you. So uh, back there in the back underneath the one sign, Miss Rachel is back there. Wave, Miss Rachel. She's back there holding them up. So we have these little um, invite tools, invite cards. Uh, it's actually a uh, pack of um, microwave popcorn. But on the front of it, there's a little sticker that has all the information at the movies, the date, the time. And so we are intentional. We're, we're intending for you to pick these up and to invite and bring a friend. I don't want to show up at your house this week and smell popcorn, okay? You are not supposed to use this. This is not us supplying your, your popcorn uh, you know, uh, urge. This is for you to take these and, uh, to, and give them away. Uh, so take as many as you need, as many people as you know that you can invite, and uh, bring them to Coastal, because we're going to have um, just a great time. We're going to, we have some fun giveaways. We're going to have popcorn uh, next week for everyone. It's just going to be um, a lot of fun. So, um, hey, and also, if you are watching online, come back to church. Come back in person. Um, you know, most of you, many of you are fully engaged. Now, I realize there's some maybe who are not uh, because of uh, health reasons, but most of you, my guess, and I know this, I've seen it. I see it online or I've seen it in person. You are fully, fully engaged in the community. So for those of you who are, come back to in-person worship. We would love, love to have you. No guilt, no shame, all about grace and love here at Coastal. But for many of you, it's time. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? Amen. Time to come back. So uh, we would love to have you. Now, uh, today I am wrapping up this series called uh, Conversations. 
And so the idea of the series has been that there are a bunch of important, even crucial conversations uh, that all of us kind of need to have a handle on ourselves, and uh, every parent needs to be prepared to have these conversations and pass on to the next generation. And so far, we've talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about um, our identity in Christ. You know, don't let anybody steal your identity. We've talked about developing uh, good and godly friends, relationships. We've talked about... Uh, um, you know, what it's like today in 2021 to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus in this digital age, this age of, of social media. Uh, last week, uh, Chris Jones talked about holding on to your faith. So today, I want us to talk about another important conversation you need to be prepared to have and you need to have a handle on, and that's failure. Failure. We do not have much patience for losers, do we? I mean, we don't. A team starts having a losing season, ticket sales plummet, you know, the search for the new coach begins. All you Carolina fans know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, uh, sorry. But we hate losers, don't we? Actually, I'm really proud of the Carolina fans. I mean, they go to, they go to games no matter what, win or lose. Anyway, um, but everybody wants to be a success, right? Nobody wants to fail at anything. And then we will do anything today in our culture lie, cheat, or steal in order to succeed. It is that important. You know, failure in America is considered like the unpardonable sin. And as a result, parents even today will do anything in their power to create this kind of um, unrealistic, pain-free bubble of success uh, around their kids. Don't believe me? Two words participation trophy, what is that? Or upward basketball, no anyway, I'm just joking. Anyway, well, my kids were in upward basketball, it's a good thing. Anyway, um, or how about this, this one. So it's graduation season right now, right? Okay, but today, by the time a student graduates from high school, this will be his or her fourth graduation ceremony. Kindergarten graduation, fifth grade graduation, eighth grade graduation. Like we're worried they're not going to make it or something, right? Now, seriously though, I get the intent behind all of this. However, I think it creates a world where there is enormous stress on everyone because the truth is this, and this is not an out, a blank on your outline, but I want you to write this down today somewhere on your outline. Failure is a part of life. Failure is a part of life. All we're really doing today, I think, is increasing the fear of failure. I mean, if I fail, what will happen to me? You know, what will other people think? Will I be rejected? Will anybody love me? You know, will I be considered worthless? The fear of failure causes enormous stress in people's lives today. It causes many of you to be indecisive. You know, you're worried about making, you know, a choice, what choice to make, and what if I make the wrong choice? For some of you, it's caused you to be a workaholic. You know, you work and overwork trying to keep up, trying to get ahead, trying to stay ahead. The fear of failure can cause you to be a perfectionist, where you're always worried that it's never gonna be good enough, and you're never, able, you're never quite satisfied, and you're afraid that people won't like you, and you're gonna be a failure. Again, the fact is, failure is a part of life. 
And so today, I want us to talk about what God says about failure. You know, that you might call this kind of a, uh, a theology of failure, so to speak. But what I hope will happen is that it'll reduce the stress in your life by looking at four things that God says that we're to do when we do fail, okay? So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, remember, everybody fails. Everybody fails. What? You made a mistake? Welcome to the human race. It simply means you're breathing. You're alive. The Bible says this in James 3, 2. We all stumble in many ways. Circle the word all there. All of us. Every one of us. We are living proof of that verse. People will say, well, you know, I want to do this. I want to try, but, you know, what if I fail? What do you mean if? Like failure, seriously, it is a part of life. I actually believe that failure is one of the pathways to success. Now, let me give you the facts of life, okay? The facts of life. Fact number one, you have already failed many, many times in your life. Fact number two, right now, right now, you are a failure in some area. Number three, fact number three, you are going to fail many, many times in the future. Welcome to Coastal. You're encouraged now, right? <laughs> you know? But it's true. Look at these two verses. Ecclesiastes 7.20. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We all, there's that word again, all fall short of God's glorious standard. We, we all miss the mark. Nobody's perfect. You know, even superstars in, in sports fail. You know, in the NBA right now, right, the playoffs are going on. You know, players miss, on average, 50% of their shots. In baseball, an all-star batting average is 300, which means what? Seven out of 10 times when you get up to bat, you strike out and you walk back to the dugout. Those are the superstars. Everybody fails. When you let go of this image of always having to be perfect, the fear of failure will lose its grip on your life. Number two, realize it's not fatal. It's not fatal. I think we over-exaggerate the effects of failure. You know, we tend to blow it way out of proportion. It's not the end of your world. The fear of failure is far more damaging to your life many times than the actual failure itself. I mean, with failure, you, you fail, you pick yourself back up, and you keep on keeping on. However, it's the, the fear of failure can haunt you and affect you for years. Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. You see, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. It, it's, it's not that successful people never fail. They do. Successful people simply get up and keep going. Successful people don't quit when they blow it. Listen, you know what makes a strong and healthy marriage? Not that you never have you know, difficulties or trouble, but you face those things together and you go through it and you're stronger on the other end. The Apostle Paul understood this. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down again, but we are not destroyed. Successful people simply get up again, and they keep going. Successful people are just ordinary, regular people with an extraordinary amount of determination. They keep going. You are never a failure until you quit, until you give up. As long as you keep trying, you're not a failure. Now, how, how do you reduce or eliminate, though, this fear of failure that's so prevalent in people's lives today? I think one way to do that is to redefine it, to redefine failure. Let me redefine it for you. Failure is refusing to try again, okay? Failure is not failing to reach your dreams. Failure is not having a dream. Now think about this for a second. How did you learn to ride a bike? Remember that? Remember, you know, maybe you're a parent and you're you know, teaching your little ones to, to ride a bike. What happened? You get on it, and then what happened? You what? You fall off. You fall off. You get on it again. You fall off again. Finally, you get on it and you stay on it, right? For five seconds, then maybe 10 seconds. But if you keep giving up every single time you try something and initially you don't have any success with it, you're never going to succeed at anything. Never. Think about these famous failures. George Washington lost two-thirds of the battles that he fought. Napoleon graduated second to last in his class. Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs during his career, but he also struck out 1,330 times, almost twice as many times as he hit a home run. Yet he once famously said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing at the ball. R.P. Macy the guy who founded uh, Macy's department store failed seven times at retail. Seven bankruptcies before he started Macy's. Listen, if at first you don't succeed, big deal. Welcome to the human race. Typically, it's, it's the third or fourth time that you, that you get it right. You're never a failure until you give up. So the Bible says, remember that everybody fails, realize that it's not fatal, and then number three, this is important, recognize the benefits. Recognize the benefits of failure. You see, we typically think of just all of the, uh, the, the negative, you know, we, we think of failure as just a completely negative experience. But wise people, successful people, they learn from failure. Wise people actually use failure to their advantage. They learn from it, they grow from it. And did you know that one of the primary tools that God is going to use in your life to make you the kind of person that he wants you to be, it is failure. It's pain, it's hardship, it's difficulty. We rarely, rarely learn from success. Because when we succeed, we think, well, it's all because of me, right? That's what we do. And we don't learn anything. But we can learn from our failures. Let's talk about that. 
Here are three ways that God, that God uses failure to benefit us, to benefit our lives. First of all, he uses failure to educate me. To educate me. Mistakes are a learning process. You figure out what, what doesn't work, and eventually when you figure out enough things that don't work, you figure out what does work. Some things in life you are only going to learn through trial and error. Psalm 119.71, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Listen, many, many times, God is going to use failure to get you back into his word. He's going to use failure to get you back into fellowship, back into community. You know, when, when the crisis comes, when the heat is on, you know, that's when we typically, we get out our Bible and we start digging for truth and looking for instruction and comfort and encouragement and accountability and relationships and fellowship and all of that. Listen, the best coaches in the world today use film to, to watch for those what? Those mistakes. Even if they win, you know, many times they're just looking for those, those opportunities that they have that become what? Teachable moments for their team. You know, personally, I look back over my own life and, you know, I, I admit that in the moment, I might not feel this way, but now I can thank God for the pain that I've gone through because they were learning experiences. God was teaching me something. He was educating me. Proverbs 28, 13 from the Living Bible Paraphrase. Listen to this. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Circle those two words there, mistakes and successful. Listen, they go together. They do. There's going to be no success in your life in any area without making some mistakes, without some pain, without some, you know, some hardship. Mistakes are how you grow. They, they, it's how you experiment, how you figure out what works. Truthfully, if you're not making any mistakes, you're, you're, you're not growing. You know, you're, you're not taking risk. And if you're not taking risk, it doesn't require faith. We, we only grow by the process of learning and experimenting. And when you experiment, you're going to make mistakes. Now, the, the reality is we don't want to make the same mistake over and over and over again. If you keep making the same mistake, you're not learning. But the point is, if you're not taking a risk and you're not making a few mistakes along the way, you're not growing. You see, it's the, it's the freedom to fail that's the freedom to grow. Now, by the way, mom and dad, this has profound implications for your parenting. You know, if, you're, if you think your goal is to provide you know, such a safety net for, for your child that he or she never has an opportunity to fail, and you're always protecting them, and you're that helicopter parent that's, you know, always, uh, you know, going to the school. It's not my child's fault, and you're, you know, you're, you're just creating that little, that little bubble. Let me tell you something. And, and there's no accountability. There's no opportunity for your little, you know, your little bundle of joy to ever make a mistake and ever fail. You are doing them a disservice, and you are setting them up for future pain, greater pain. Because the way the real world operates 
is sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Nobody wins all the time. If you set up an environment where you are protecting your little darling, where they never experience difficulty, and they never fail, and they never lose, that's an unrealistic bubble you've put them in. And then when they eventually get out into the real world and they lose and they fail, they're not going to be able to handle it. See, part of maturity, part of growing up is learning that. And they need to learn. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to to fail. Now, they need to be corrected. They need to learn from them. But it is a part of life. Also, God uses failure to motivate me. To motivate me. I'm not sure where I originally heard this uh, over the years, but I've used it a lot. I like this statement. People don't usually change when they see the light. People change when they feel the heat. Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Is that not true or what? That God sometimes has to use a little bit of pain that comes into our life to make us change. Maybe it's a wake-up call. And he allows that pain into our lives sometimes to to steer us in in a new direction, in a different direction. Remember the story of uh, Elijah when he had to tell King Ahab that God was about to bring a drought over the whole land. Now, that's not a very uh, positive message to bring to an evil king. By the way, the movie that we're using this coming week as we kick off at the movies is the new movie Cruella. Okay, so the original Cruella was actually married to King Ahab. Anybody know who it was? Queen what? Queen Jezebel, okay? I mean, so this is not a, a, a great environment for a prophet of God to be living in and to bring this message uh, to this couple, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. So then God tells Elijah to hide from them out in the desert. But don't worry, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna provide for you. And he provided a brook, Uh, for water to drink, and then ravens brought him food. So everything's going great. He's got everything he needs. You know, he's in hiding, but he's well taken care of. But then all of a sudden, the brook dries up. Now, I'm sure Elijah's out there going, hey, God, wait a second. Remember me? I'm still here. I'm out in the desert. You know, you are giving me water, but now, now the brook is dried up. Why? And it's as though God was saying, because I don't want you there anymore. It's time. I, I, I don't want you at the brook anymore. Listen, it's time to move forward. I, you know, I've got things for you to do. This was not meant to be a vacation for the rest of your life. And so the brook dries up to motivate him to take next steps, to move forward. So I got a question for everybody today. Has a brook ever dried up in your life? Have you had a a financial brook? You know, that was going great, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's gone, dried up. That financial brook dried up, what happened? Have you ever had a, a, a career brook dry up? You know, you were used to doing life in a certain way, 
And all of a sudden, a little pain comes, and all of a sudden, it dries up. What happens? Maybe it was a health brook. I mean, who knows? Maybe God, though, is using all of it to try to redirect you. Maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe he's trying to get you to, to change in the way that you're doing life, doing your health, your finances, your, your marriage, your, your, your life. And so you correct that, you grow, you take next steps, and a new brook starts to flow. God uses those things to, to motivate you, to educate you. And then number three, the third one, is to cultivate me. To cultivate me. Many, many times in life, God uses failure and pain to grow my character. You know, when you experience failure, it has a way of softening your heart. It has a way of um, making you a little bit more sensitive to other people and a little less judgmental. It can do that if, if we let it. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now let's be honest, that's not our go-to response, is it? Woohoo! I'm going through trials and problems and failure. Rejoice, right? But he says we can. We can rejoice. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance then develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. If all you did was succeed all the time, if you never failed in life, if everything you did turned to gold, every game you played you won, every investment you made made millions, do you realize how terrible you would be to live with? How arrogant, egocentric you would be? Listen, God uses failures to cultivate our character. So, what do we do when we fail? We remember that everybody fails. It's not fatal. Uh, recognize that there are benefits. And then number four, relax in God's grace. Relax in God's grace. God is not surprised when you fail. He knew it was gonna happen. In fact, he expects it. But when you fail, you ready for this? God does not stop loving you. That's called grace. Psalm 103, 14. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Listen, God knows how you're wired up. He made you. He knows you're just human. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, by the way. There was only one who was perfect, and it ain't you. Right? But you know what? He doesn't stop loving you when you blow it. Now, this right here is a very difficult concept for many of you because you grew up in one of those performance-driven homes. I mean, it was just drilled into you that, you know, and you were taught that if you succeeded, then that meant, well, I, now I'm valuable. If I succeed, if I'm a success, if I do good, then I'm worthwhile, I'm significant. But if you failed, if you messed up, I'm worthless. My parents, my family, they withhold their love from me. And you were taught that your worth was based on your performance. And by the way, if all you ever do is protect your little one, what do you think you're actually teaching them? 
right? You see, that's all a lie. Because your value as a person has nothing to do with your performance. God's love is not dependent upon what you do. It's dependent upon who he is. It's based on him and his character because he doesn't fail. We do. And guess what? God never, ever gets tired of forgiving you. Now, what we do once we ask for forgiveness like five, six times for the same thing, right? We start bargaining with God. We all do this. God, if you will just forgive me, just one more time, I will never ever do this again. And so now you're a liar, okay? Like, you are. Or, or we start bartering with God. We do this. We go, well, if you forgive me, I will read my Bible every single day. I will join a life group. I will start tithing, not 10%, like 30%, God, I'm all in. We do that. Listen, you don't have to bargain with God. You don't have to barter with God. You just have to believe in God. You just have to put your faith and your trust in him. Colossians 2.14 says, He, God, canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to where? The cross. And you didn't hang on that thing. Jesus did. And so when Jesus died on the cross for you, he paid for every failure you are ever going to commit. The ones you committed yesterday, the ones you're going to commit today, and the ones you will commit tomorrow. So the point is, you can relax in the grace of God. No matter how much you fail, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, now that is the key. If you have committed your life to Christ, you have put your faith in Jesus, God will forgive you. And not only that, listen to this. He will actually pull you through that failure and he can turn it around and use it for your good and his glory. You see, the Christian life, it's not a failure-free life. It's a life of grace. And every one of us, we are all trophies of God's grace. That's the trophy you want. You're a trophy of God's grace. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was driving at in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. As he shared some of the pain in his own life, this might have been a failure. We're not exactly sure what it was, but he says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A trophy of God's grace. So let me ask. What failure has been eating at you? A marriage failure? 
career failure, financial failure, personal failure, moral failure. You know, some of you think that because you've had a major failure in your life that somehow you are now disqualified from the race. You know, you're out of the game and you can never expect God to either bless you or use your life from here on out. So God brought you here today to hear this. You don't understand grace. The Bible is actually full of examples of failures. I mean, major failures that God used in incredible ways. Abraham failed with his wife. Terrible husband. Isaac and Noah, awful parents, failed with their kids. Uh, Moses failed to control his anger, killed a guy. David, moral failure, committed adultery, and then had the husband murdered. You know, the guy that, uh, of, of the, the woman he committed adultery with, her husband, killed. Thank God that he uses failures, though. You know, if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. Nothing. Now, the fact is, listen to this, your greatest, greatest life message, your, your greatest contribution, your most significant input in this world might just be in the area of your greatest failure. If you give it to God. You know, one of the questions that I get asked a lot by people is, Pastor Chris, you know, what was the greatest barrier that you faced when you started this church over 30 years ago? And after giving that some thought, one of the greatest barriers for me personally was neutralizing this fear of failure. Let me tell you something. There, there were you know, there were a lot of days in the early days, a lot of days in the beginning when I would say to myself, who are you kidding? What have I got myself into? I mean, there were times, a lot of times on the inside that I felt paralyzed by the what ifs. What if I fail? What if this doesn't work? What if this goes wrong? And so I spent a lot of times on my knees talking to God about that. And basically, I felt like God was saying this to me. Well, Rollins, he calls me Rollins sometimes. <laughs> Let me ask you, why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you starting this church? Is it all about you? Is this some big ego trip or something? And on my knees and in my heart, I would respond, God, you know me better than that. You do. I love you with all my heart, and I love people. And God would tell me, that's just what I wanted to hear. Why? 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says this. You know what it says? Love never fails. Love never fails. It means if you, if you fill your life with love, regardless what happens, you're never going to be a failure. You know, and regardless of whether this church ever grew beyond one family, we can't fail. Why? 
because we're doing what we do in love. And I want to suggest to you today that whether you've got five years left or 50 years left, that you make the rest of your life the best of your life by saying, I want to do everything that I do in love. Out of love for God and out of love for people. That's the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, if you do that, it, it, it really doesn't matter what you ever achieve or you know, what you might succeed or not succeed at. You can never be considered a failure if you do your life in love because, again, love never fails. You know, when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, hey, how many trophies do you have on your shelf? He's going to say, did you love? Did you love Jesus? And did you love people? Love never fails. So are you letting this fear of failure keep you from being all God wants you to be? You know, sometimes I like to think that, you know, part of my responsibility as your pastor is just to kick you in the butt every once in a while and to get you up off of your blessed assurance and, and light a fire under you. Because I stand up here week after week after week and, and I look out on you and you know what I see? I see so much potential. I mean, I see it. Man, I, I, I know the talent in this church and I know, I know how God has blessed you and I see what God wants to do in your life. I just want you to see it. And I want you to get past, to let go of this fear of failure. And maybe you've, you know, if you've ever thought to yourself, yeah, but Pastor Chris, God doesn't speak to me. Okay, well, you know what? He brought you here today, and it wasn't by mistake. You didn't just happen to find us. He is drawing you to himself. And I believe that he wants to speak to you right now. And this might be God's word to you today. Are you ready? Here it is. Go for it. Go for it. Don't ever let the fear of failure keep you from being and doing what God wants you to be and what he wants you to do. Relax in his grace. Listen, you are going to fail, but who cares? We are all trophies of the grace of God. That's what he wants to say to you today. Now, I want to close with this. There is one, one failure that you need to fear in life. You don't need to fear any other failure except for this one. Hebrews 12, 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. To fail to receive the grace of God. That means that you go all through life rejecting God's love. All through life rejecting Jesus. Rejecting his grace. Rejecting his forgiveness. And if you do that, that is a fear, that is a failure worth fearing. But you don't have to. 
You can receive God's love today. You can be a trophy of his grace. Listen, this is a, an area that we need to have a handle on. And we need to be prepared to have those teachable moments with our children and pass this on to the next generation. But again, what about you? Are you a trophy of God's grace? Are you still clinging on to religion? Where you just think somehow, some way, you can earn, work hard enough, be good enough to somehow appease God. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. You can never be good enough to earn your way into God's forgiveness. You just have to believe your way. You have to place your faith and your trust in the only one who ever was perfect, Jesus. And if you will do that, he will wipe the slate clean. He will forgive you. And then you, you have the freedom now to live in his love and his forgiveness and his grace. And there's no better way to live. Don't walk out of here today without receiving that. You can do it right here and right now. Bow your head and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the assurance in your word that um, we all could be trophies of your grace. That, um, that failure really is a part of life. And that if we allow you to, you have this amazing, miraculous ability to to use it in our lives for our good and for your glory. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the freedom to fail. And Father, in this room right now, watching online, there are people, I believe, that are ready to come home. And they've been afraid to do that. They, they think they, they're not good enough. They failed so bad that they could never, um, never be forgiven. And yet, Father, you tell us over and over again in your word that you are waiting with open arms, just ready for that one lost person, that one person to take that step of faith, to place their faith in Christ. And then you will make up the distance. You will run to them. So if you're ready to come home, just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, today I admit it, I am a failure. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I believe that one has been provided for me. The only one who ever walked this earth who was perfect. And it was your son, Jesus. And it was my sin that he carried with him on that cross so that he could cancel the debt forever. And so today I admit it and I ask Jesus to come into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I want to relax in your grace and follow Jesus. I want to become day by day more and more like you already see me, completely forgiven and brand new. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.